0: Africa, rise and shine. Africa, zorka. Africa, amka na unai.
1: Good morning and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa from an African perspective and we're coming to you live in Johannesburg, South Africa. We are on the frequencies 7230 kilohertz on the 41 meter band to Southern Africa and on 15255 kilohertz on the 19 meter band to West Africa, as well as DSTV's audio bouquet channel 802. I'm Lulu Kabu in studio with Anne Moussa, Tabisa Luhoko and Figue In our top stories, UN discusses ways to tackle abuses against African migrants in Libya and the Africa-EU summit gets underway in Abidjan. In economics news, African Development Bank launches Youth Advisory Group and in sports news, CAF to use video assistant referees at Chan 2018. But first up, the news with Ann Moussa.
2: A very good morning to you, I'm Anne Musa. Members of the African Diaspora Community in New York have rallied outside the Libyan mission to the United Nations, calling on the international community to stamp out slavery and human trafficking of migrants in the North African country. The UN Security Council is threatening to impose sanctions on Libya over the matter. Protest organiser Ambrose Ngande, originally from Cameroon, has urged rich countries to do more to improve conditions in sub-Saharan Africa that would prevent the exodus of thousands
3: migration to the, to from africa is because we're having a problem in africa so if, if we're going to be migrating to europe they can accommodate us because w- the resources that they get from africa they should be able to help us we're not migrating because we want to migrate because things are not working in, in africa so if they can turn around and say to us listen we can help you guys create employment, help you guys uh, some financing, uh, organizing a uh, 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 job program. I think we should be able to stay home.
2: Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has called for cooperation to defeat Islamist militant groups like Boko Haram, Al-Shabaab and jihadists fighting in the Sinai. Netanyahu was in Nairobi for the inauguration of Kenyan President Uhuru Kenyatta but but did not go to the stadium with other heads of state and government because of security concerns. He later met Kenyatta and other state leaders at State House in Nairobi and called on leaders to work together to fight the militants. Kenya's opposition is calling for a People's Assembly next month amid its claims that the election of President Uhuru Kenyatta is illegitimate. Opposition leader Raila Odinga is urging for the 12th December Assembly, says the gathering will elect a leader to run the country until new elections can be held. December the 12th is Kenya's Independence Day. The call was made as Kenyatta was sworn in and urged an end to hatred and divisions. During and after the ceremony, police fired rifles and tear gas to break up and opposition gathering to mourn the dozens of people killed in the months of election unrest. The United States has threatened to take further action against the government of South Sudan if it does not end violence and allow United Nations peacekeepers to do their job. U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Nikki Haley says they are prepared to pursue additional measures against the government or any party if they do not act to end the violence and ease the suffering in South Sudan. The Trump administration imposed sanctions in September on two senior South Sudanese officials and the former army chief for their role in the civil war and attacks against civilians. And finally, Ireland's Deputy Prime Minister Francis Fitzgerald has resigned in an effort to defuse a political crisis that has threatened to bring down the minority government. Many politicians feared that if there had to be a snap election next month, it would have distracted the country's efforts to defend its interests during a key phase of the Brexit talks. The BBC's Chris Page reports.
4: The minority government is sustained by an agreement with the main opposition party, Fianna Foyle, which abstains in key votes. But Fianna Foyle put forward a parliamentary motion of no confidence in Frances Fitzgerald after questions were raised about how much she knew about a plan to discredit a police whistleblower. The lead party in the ruling coalition, Fine Gael, had said it was standing by Ms Fitzgerald. But after a cabinet meeting this morning, the Deputy Prime Minister has offered her resignation. It means a snap election will be avoided, but the affair has damaged the government led by the Tisha Leo Varadkar. That's the news,
2: headlines at 8.30 Central African Time.
1: Thank you, Anne. It is 8.05 Central African Time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. Coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa on the frequencies 7230 kHz on the 41-metre band to southern Africa and on 15255 kHz on the 19-metre band to West Africa. The international community's inability to prevent and resolve conflict is at the root of the estimated 17,000 migrants and refugees currently being held in detention centers in Libya. That was the view of the High Commissioner for Refugees in a briefing to the United Nations Security Council that convened an urgent session to address questions of modern-day slavery and human trafficking in the country. This follows news reports last week of African migrants being sold in slave markets for as little as $400 each. Council members have expressed their outrage, calling for a collective statement condemning the practice. Show Bryce Peace reports.
5: There are pictures of African migrants in detention centres that have shocked the conscience of the international community. Security Council springing into action as outrage grows at the images of black people in chains, some sold as slaves. Filippo Grandi is the High Commissioner for Refugees.
6: Compelled to flee, but without legal pathways to safety, refugees are exposed to appalling harm, together with migrants, including torture, rape, sexual exploitation, slavery and other forms of forced labour. These proliferate where governance is weak and transnational criminal networks take root.
5: Libya has become a major transit hub for migrants and refugees, mainly from sub-Saharan Africa who are trying to reach Europe by any means possible. They often use illegal trafficking networks that promise to smuggle them onto ships that cross the Mediterranean. But with increased security along the high seas and European migration agreements curbing these crossings, These desperate souls find themselves stuck in a country that has itself not known peace since the ouster of Muammar Gaddafi in 2011.
6: I have called for 40,000 additional resettlement places in the 15 countries affected by these movements. To date, we have indications of just 10,500 places, an encouraging but still insufficient number.
5: The International Organization for Migration's Director-General William Lacey Swing says they're ready to empty the detention centers in Libya but will need assurances from both the Libyan and the source country governments to get voluntary repatriation underway.
7: I think, frankly, that all of the elements are there now. We've had good discussions with the African Union uh, president, with the high representative of the European Union, Uh, Everybody seems to agree that it can be done. What we plan to do and hope to do, IOM together with our traditional partner, UNHCR, is to try to empty the detention centers. There are about 15,000 people still in them. These are the government-controlled ones, about 30 of them. We don't know how many of the militia groups have centers. We know they do. But let's focus on the government effort now because we will need Libya's help.
5: Council members are expected to release a formal statement later and have not ruled out the imposition of sanctions. Ethiopia's ambassador, Takeda Alemu.
0: The video clips circulating around the social media and the harrowing stories of some of the African refugees and migrants who describe their suffering and pain in the detention camps at the hands of human traffickers and smugglers has sent shockwaves across the continent and beyond this inhumane and despicable act is not only unacceptable but it has no place in the 21st century
5: his french counterpart françois de latre cela passe je vais y revenir dans un
8: instant This hinges on greater cooperation with the Libyan authorities. This also hinges on an intractable fight against impunity, including through the International Criminal Court and through the imposition of sanctions against all individuals and entities who contribute to these heinous acts.
5: The UN-recognized government in Libya has promised to bring the perpetrators of these crimes to justice. I'm Sherman Bricepies in New York.
1: Let's go back in time to today in 1995, anti-apartheid activist and Nobel laureate Archbishop Mbilo Desmond Tutu is appointed chairperson of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission by President Nelson Rolislasa Mandel. The commission was set up to deal with the atrocities of the past and guide South Africa on a path of reconciliation. That's today in history in the year 1995. (laughs) I <laughs> It's 8.11 Central African Time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. The trafficking and illicit circulation of small arms and light weapons are often discussed in the context of fueling instability and insecurity in West Africa. Rarely, however, is the issue of locally manufactured weapons given appropriate attention in these conversations. Analysts say if Africa wants to silence the guns, it's leaders must take a closer look at locally manufactured weapons. More from William Asanvo, ENACT Regional Observatory Coordinator for West Africa at the Institute for Security Studies.
9: I think the beginning of the questioning was the different news and facts that was collected and observed over the past months and that resulted in the locally manufactured firearms Involved in committing uh, crimes, robbery, and several other type of crimes. I think that was the beginning of the, of the questioning. And when we talk about firearms in Africa, in particular in West Africa, there is a focus on the on, on weapons that are imported, on weapons that we can qualify as modern modern weaponry with AK-47 and all of that. But the reality is that a significant amount, based on the different statistics, official statistics we got, uh, most of the weapons involved in the security are locally manufactured firearms. And we don't talk about this category of weapons. In the public opinion, that's not the, the kind of firearms that we have in mind when we talk about uh, small arms and light weapons in, in the region.
10: And why the specific focus on West Africa?
9: I mean the focus of is because I'm based in West Africa I'm, it's not uh, to say that that reality is, is mainly focused in, on West Africa but it's first of all because I'm based in West Africa so it's easier for me to have access to interlocutor, people working on on that issue. So that's the main reason why the focus was on West Africa. But I think that issue can also be raised in other parts of the continent, but in in Central Africa, for instance, and probably in some countries in in Southern Africa. But the fact is that uh, that is an issue that is a topical issue in West Africa uh, several times in the news, we heard about people carrying uh, locally manufactured arms involved in in robbery. So this is first of all a reality.
10: And based on some of the research that you've conducted and the findings, is it safe then to say that you know the production of um, locally um, made firearms is sort of making uh, violence appear to be cheap?
9: Yes, definitely because. When you look at the price of a firearms of that nature, you, you realize that it's something that can be easily accessible by anyone uh, in comparison to other type of weapons that are more expensive. So, and also the people involved in producing those arms are within the population; they are easily accessible for. Anyone who wants to acquire a firearm, when you want to get a more modern and a more sophisticated uh, firearm, it's difficult because you need to go to someone who sells this kind of weapons, and that is not really easy to do in, in some countries in comparison to having uh, access uh, to a weapon from a, a gunsmith.
10: And is there anything that governments, you know, in Africa can do just to control the production of these locally produced firearms?
9: In some countries, again in West Africa, the authorities have tried to to control those weapons. The main initiative was to organize a census of uh, weapons producer. This has been the case in Burkina Faso, in Ghana, in Mali, in Sierra Leone, and also in Ivory Coast. But the reality is that not all gunsmiths are okay with uh, with being registered. So we can assume that some people able to produce those weapons are continuing to do that without being registered, without being known by the public authorities. Uh, so those initiatives have yielded some mixed results. So that led me to conclude that the issue still has to, I mean, receive greater attention and also to have a significant uh, response from the public authorities.
1: That was William Asanvo, Enact Regional Observatory Coordinator for West Africa at the Institute for Security Studies, speaking to Ntlantamathang. Channel Africa.
0: Africa rise and shine.
10: I am Hyuda
3: Kekeloa in Zambia.
7: This is Simon Muchemwa in Harare Zimbabwe.
3: Jean Noel Bamwisi, Channel Africa, Kinshasa.
0: From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja. This is Moki Kinsaka in yaundi. Informing the world about Africa.
10: Ntakuwa ngatani in Mohali Zook, Lesotho. And I am Dana Wanyonyi for Channel Africa in Mombasa.
1: Let's go back in time to today in 2011. Former Court d'Ivoire President Laurent Koudou-Bagbo is extradited to the International Criminal Court following an arrest warrant issued by the Office of the Prosecutor for Bagbo's involvement in the 2010 post-election violence. That's today in history in the year 2011. African leaders have vowed to push for a redefined model of partnership between the continent and the European countries. They will hold the fifth Africa-EU summit in Ivory Coast commercial capital, Abidjan, later this morning. And President Jacob Zuma is leading the country's delegation to the two-day meeting, which seeks to strengthen political and economic relations between 54 EU member states and their 28 EU counterparts. Debo Mogobo reports.
11: Ivory Coast, a country once ravaged by civil war, is now the center of attraction. After just over five years of relative peace, this country has the fastest economic growth in the continent, and today it plays host to the all-important summit to attract the much-needed investment in the continent. And this is said to be a defining moment for relations between Africa and the EU, as it marks ten years since the adoption of the joint Africa-EU strategy. Adopted in 2007, the strategy was meant to change the donor-recipient relationship between the two continents towards the one of long-term cooperation on mutual interest, and African leaders now say relations with their EU counterparts will be of equal partners. South Africa's representative for Global Governance and Continental Agenda Mthulisimkosi explains the continent's expectation from this gathering.
12: We want to move away from the post-colonial model of partnership which was based on donor-recipient relationship between Africa and Europe. We want to emerge with a partnership model that is based on an equal partnership and that recognizes the sovereignty of Africa and Europe. We want to emerge with a partnership that is going to contribute towards the resolution of mutual challenges of peace and security, such as terrorism. We want to emerge with a declaration that will also give renewed impetus to the implementation of the Paris Agreement on climate change.
11: And there is indeed a consensus with the European countries to work with the African countries on mutual basis.
12: Over the years, we have developed a common understanding of the issues of mutual consent. And in particular, from the African perspective, uh, our issues are developmental because we've got a huge development deficit on the continent. And from Europe, there's a recognition that they need to contribute to provision of foreign direct investment on the continent. That we need to move away from a donor-based uh, relationship to a relationship that is based on trade and investment a relationship that is mutually reinforcing, that contributes meaningfully to the development of the productive economies in Africa and also that helps us to move away from a single commodity economies that helps us to diversify our economies.
11: With South Africa's unemployment rate at over 27%, Pretoria vows to use its participation in this summit to attract investment in order to create jobs and fight poverty. Currently, South Africa's growth prospects are complicated by the fact that the country has recently been downgraded to junk status by two rating agencies and because he says this will be a good platform to turn around the country's economic fortunes
12: from a South African perspective we hope to use the platform provided by this forum to attract more investments into South Africa particularly to help us to deal with the challenges of unemployment the challenges of poverty and inequality in our country and indeed we hope to engage in meaningful trading relations with the uh, African and European countries as you know of our total exports now are destined for the African market. So Africa is a very strategic market for South Africa.
11: And as the African continent continues to reclaim its rightful place on the global stage, it is a summit like this that serves as platforms for Africa to set its continental agenda. I am Tebomo Bijan in Ivory Coast.
1: The South African Parliament held a snap debate on the state of capture allegations. Some governing ANC MPs were against the debate taking place. However, the opposition was having none of that. Lula Mamatia reports from Parliament. The debate was proposed by the
10: DA. However, just before the party's chief whip, John Stianhaisen, could take to the podium, ANC members wanted to stop it.
13: And I therefore, House Chair, request you to put this motion aside, so that the investigation by Parliament can reach its logical conclusion.
10: Individuals were called in a certain committee. Whether that was investigation or how the member of the EFF has explained it. But the fact of the matter is that people were called in to come and account before Parliament. So it will only be fair and just that Individuals are afforded an opportunity at least to be presented by a report. But the opposition put its foot down, insisting that it must continue.
13: We cannot take that invalid view. We haven't asked for an opinion whether we want to discuss this or not. We are parliament. This matter is not subject to care. It's being investigated by parliament. (laughs) He must go somewhere if he has got a different view. We are going to expose serious things here.
8: There is no substance
0: in that point of order is my view. Secondly, this discussion does not preempt whatever may come out of Parliament's process. At the time when Parliament concludes its business, if there are any reports, Parliament will discuss it at that stage. This is not preempting this. This is a different discussion, and I'm of view that Rule 90 does not apply. We should proceed immediately.
10: In the end, House Chairperson Togo Didiza ruled that the debate must proceed. It didn't go smooth with MPs heckling each other. DA Chief Whip John Steinheisen argued that the Oversight Committee on Public Enterprises is the right platform to conduct the inquiry into state capture. He says those ANC MPs who are against the inquiry are the very same people who are against the opposition approaching the courts when there are disputes.
3: And most importantly, why has the President not appeared before a single one of the committees in this House to account for a single one of the serious allegations? Now, there are some today, like the people we heard on TV last night, who will argue that this is not this House's responsibility to investigate and hold the executive accountable. They will argue that the proposed Judicial Commission inquiry should do this. Funny, though, it's the same very same people who, when the opposition goes to court and beats them, argue repeatedly that the judiciary shouldn't do parliament's work.
10: The ANC says it is taking state capture allegations serious. ANC MP Lucy Zomakube Lamashele says the notion that the ANC is doing nothing about allegations of state capture is wrong. The the allegations that certain families or companies have become too influential in the decisions of states Uh, owned enterprises should be investigated and brought to account through legal and legitimate actions. The EFF suggested that the National Assembly adopt a resolution to stop payment of companies linked to the Gupta family. The party's MP Tembingo Khawula says the House must also take action against ministers implicated.
13: The police hawks NPA and SIU are sleeping whilst the looting is taking place. It is up to this parliament to take decisive steps before it is too late, before there is nothing left to protect, and before the level of lawlessness reach parliament. National Assembly must pass a motion of no confidence on all ministers that are linked to Guptas.
10: IFP Chief Whip Narendra Singh expressed concern against the reported threats on some of the staff members of the committee.
0: South Africa can be captured in the way that it is. State capture is a cancerous and festering sore in many areas of this government, but none more so in the entities that fall under the Department of Public Enterprises. These entities are looting platforms par excellence for those who are in political favour with certain elements in this government.
10: The NFP also expressed concern on how Parliament is responding to these allegations. Biga of the party explains,
0: but this should not come as a surprise, considering that Parliament's effort to hold the executive to account has largely failed during the Zuma presidency. We see ever so often how ministers fail to appear before portfolio committees with impunity, and some have visually strangers to this honorable house where they are supposed to account and answer questions
10: meanwhile president jacob zuma says he's considering the issue of bribery allegations by state security minister bongani bongo he says he was briefed by speaker Balegambete. bongo is alleged to have attempted to bribe evidence leader advocate tutuzelo vanara in parliament Hello
2: and welcome to Channel Africa, the African Perspective. We broadcast from Johannesburg in South Africa and our main aim is to provide you with news, views, knowledge and entertainment from Africa to Africans and listeners from around the world.
7: Reporting for Channel Africa in Harare, Zimbabwe, this is Simon Muchemwa.
10: Reporting for Channel Africa, I am Diana Wanyonye in Mombasa. For Channel Africa, I am Kumbera Munjore in Johannesburg.
3: Channel Africa, Kinshasa, Jean-Noël Bamweze.
10: Reporting for Channel Africa from Zambia, I am Hilda Kekelwa.
2: Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective.
3: This is Channel Africa, South Africa's international radio station on shortwave internet and satellite. Listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese and Chinyanja.
13: Nam,
10: Terra do Soleil.
0: Está na companhia do Serviço em Língua Portuguesa do Canal África a voz de Renascença Africana que transmite a partir dos seus estudos centrais de Auckland Park, cidade de Johannesburg, África do
3: Sul. África. Informing the world about Africa, Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective.
0: This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja, informing the world about Africa. good news for you. We have extended our reach. If you have an iPad or iPhone, download the Channel Africa iOS app at itunes.apple.com. If you have a cell phone, then get our Android app at Google Store. Get the latest news from Africa. Get the Channel Africa app. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective.
1: Our headlines up next with Anne Musa.
2: A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Moussa. And the headlines, members of the African diaspora community in New York rally outside the Libyan mission to the United Nations, calling on the international community to stamp out slavery and human trafficking of migrants in Libya. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu calls for cooperation to defeat Islamist militant groups like Boko Haram, Al Shabaab, and jihadists fighting in the Sinai. And African leaders vow to push for a redefined model of partnership. between the continent and European countries at the 5th Africa-EU Summit with their European counterparts in Côte d'Ivoire's financial capital, Abidjan. Those are the stories making headlines.
1: Thank you. And South Africa's ruling African National Congress in the Free State Province have officially backed former chairperson of the AU Commission, Dr. dlamini Zuma, as their preferred candidate for the position of ANC president. This is the first time that Laminizuma has been officially selected by a province. The ANC holds its 54th national con- elective conference from the 16th of December to the 20th by Lissibagnoni Hasmo from Paris.
14: The Provincial General Council of the Free State marred by controversy. Delegates were only notified of this council a day before the announcement of nominations. As branch delegates continued to make their way to Paris, it saw a slow start to the council, which only kicked off seven hours later, where the official nominations for the ANC's national office were expected to be revealed. The ANC in the Free State Secretary General William Bulwani.
15: Uh, In the free state, we're having three onan branches, but in terms of the processes of audit, 290 branches passed the audit, and the remaining number failed to their audit because they were below 100 in terms of the agency constitution of a branch. So we're running 290 BGMs in the province. 260 managed to go to their BGMs, and then there are disputes with these less than 10 branches that have... There are many branches that have been disputed, I think close to 37 or more than 50 branches put in their disputes. 37, it was the first group, the past few uh, weekend, it was another group that have also sent their dispute to national. But all those uh, branches, close to 50 branches, their disputes were listened by the teams that were sent by the national office. In the first state, the team was led by Dr. Kwele who's a member of the National Executive Committee of the ANC and the team. They've gone through each and every complaint that has been raised. Less than 10 of those branches were granted the reruns. That's where the process is. Others have gone to their reruns. Others will be going on this coming Thursdays. Others will be going according to the program that uh, Dr. Siabongakwele has has, uh, given to the branches and the provinces to adhere to.
14: Despite the Free State Province having disputes in close to 50 branches, Bulwani says they had already met the 70% threshold, which allows for a council to go ahead.
15: In terms of the threshold as the African National Congress, we have met the threshold because 260 branches have gone to the BGMs. I think it's less than 18 branches that are still left that didn't meet the deadline of the 25th, as the Secretary General was putting it, of which is about close to 27, 24 delegates that we are forfeiting in the free state, of which to us is not a very big number. We have tried everything, but the BGMs were disturbed. There were elderly people who were mishandled in those BGMs. There was a chaos in those BGMs where they didn't correct. So it was very dangerous to go through the BGMs while the lives of ordinary members of the African National Congress, their lives are in danger. So
14: Delegates attending the council packed up the conference centre, dressed in their ANC regalia, eagerly waiting to hear nominations for preferred ANC-NEC top set members from the provincial branches. But just before results could be read out, current ANC Free State Chairperson Ace Makhashule addressed the council taking jabs on those who, quote, think they are better than the ANC.
13: You don't appear in the newspaper. You don't have an opportunity to have a radio interview. And those who have this opportunity at times, when they are so-called popular, they think that they are better than the ANC. The ANC which made them. Tell her, imagine if I'm Isma Mahashule and tomorrow I'm not in the ANC. I'm finished. There's no Isma Mahashule without the ANC. There's no Ngangelizwe without the ANC. There is no comrade Jesse Juwate without the ANC. And we have seen leaders coming and going, and after they think they are popular, then they open and they establish their political parties. And with time, those leaders are are no more. They are
15: not there.
14: While it was clear that those who supported the Cyril Ramaphosa slate were not present, Mahashule told the council that some who were not at the PGC were campaigning for elections in the Sasselberg area.
13: And that's why myself and Magnoni said we are not going to any BGM. Don't worry about Magnoni. It's my brother. Don't, don't worry about him. And he sits in the PEC and we talk in the PEC and the PEC is united. Don't believe stories you are told because you know for sure, you know for sure that this is the free state. Very sober, stable, United, and if we have issues, we talk amongst ourselves.
14: The current deputy chairperson, tabo Magnoni, is said to have ambitions of ascending to the position of chairperson when the province holds the elective conference. As soon as Mahashila wrapped up his speech after closed sessions with the ANC, the party's election agency announced the final nominations tallied by the agency.
8: So we've been through the rigorous exercise of consolidating the branch nominations into the regions and gave that outcome basically and the provincial outcome is as follows. Um, for the position of president, the nominee for the free state is comrade Ngosazana Zanatamini Zuma. Um, for the position of deputy president, free state's nominee is comrade David Mabuza. And for National Chairperson, we've got Comrade Natim Tetwa. <laughs> position of Secretary General, we've got Comrade Ace Makashule. Um, for the position of Deputy Secretary General, we've got Comrade Jesse Duarte. And lastly, for the position of Treasurer-General, we've got Comrade Maide Nkwana Mashabane.
14: Thank you, Comrade. Thank you. Results of the PGC come at a time where some members of the party have approached the High Court in Bloemfontein to have the leadership dissolved, arguing that the Provincial Executive Committee's term of office had expired. If the court rules that the PEC is null and void, then the legitimacy of this council may be contested. Ambali, Sibanyoni in Paris.
1: Former Zimbabwe's President Robert Mugabe and his family have been a- assured of their safety in the country. Mugabe enjoys immunity from prosecution and shall receive a generous pension. Apart from that, institutions such as the airport, university, hospital... And roads shall remain unchanged in honor of the country's leader for thirty-seven years. Mugabe resigned last week, Tuesday, just hours after Parliament launched proceedings to impeach him. Simon Wachema reports from Harare.
7: Twenty-first of November, twenty seventeen, shall remain a historic day for Zimbabweans as that is the day President Robert Mugabe resigned from his presidential post. His resignation came following ten days of instability in the country following some military intervention targeting alleged thieves around Mugabe. The former president is expected to receive a generous pension from the state after serving for so long. Mugabe insisted that he was being asked to step down when he was going to win an election next year, so he was also refusing, wanting to stand in polls next year according to close sources. He only accepted to resign after promises of a generous pension, full medical cover in Singapore and the benefits associated with his travels, it is alleged Mugabe was chewing close to 33 million US dollars on medical and foreign travels every month when still president. On one hand, roads, schools, a university, hospital and airport will remain as they are in honor of the aged former leader. The promises to honor Mugabe came amid anger among his citizens who were calling for Mugabe's head. Harare-based political analyst Alexander Rusero had this to say.
3: Yeah, I
6: think it's uh, political gangmanship uh, being played. I think it's clever politics because it uh, resonates well with the operation code name, the Operation Resolidus, which saw the demise of uh, President Mugabe. So the demise of President Mugabe, according to operation, was one aimed at restoring uh, his legals, which was almost uh, lost to the so-called cabal who ostensibly had captured him, had captured all the apparatus of running of the state. So I think it's a good gimmick being done by Emerson Mnangagwa because it's one that points uh, to effect a removal of Mugabe, does not necessarily translate to enmity, does not translate to hatred, but one w- which is justified by reasons surrounding the legacy of the liberation struggle of Zimbabwe as well as Zimbabwe.
7: Rosero added, Mugabe deserves to be at the hero's acre after his death.
6: If it be those who will be in charge of declaring him a hero uh, are serious of what a hero's acre is, I think Mugabe deserves and will be laid at the Heroes' Eka, despite the fallout, despite this dismal uh, demise uh, of Mugabe. I think he deserves be at the FB Heroes' Eka against the criterion, against the legacy, against um, the profile that he was Zimbabwe's uh, leader from uh, independence uh, up to the twenty-first.
7: ZANU-PF spokesperson, Ambassador Simon Kayamoyo, told Channel Africa the party, as well as government, will be guided by Mnangagwa's utterances urging forgiveness.
3: Well, because president was very clear
6: on that, it is inauguration, so I have, I have nothing to add. No,
0: I'm saying uh, let's follow what the president told me the the gathering. You know, they, I'm sure you are quite clear of what he said, so let's not divert or deviate
7: from that, from what he said. Despite the political fallout, Mugabe has remained in the country at his Borodio house. The new president, Emerson Mnangagwa, remarked citizens should let bygones be bygones and improve the country's economy.
12: We should never remain hostages of our past. I thus humbly appeal to all of us that we let bygones be bygones. Yeah. readily embracing each other in defining a new destiny of our beloved Zimbabwe. The task at hand is that of rebuilding our great country. It principally lies with none but
6: ourselves
7: to do so. For Channel Africa in Harare, Zimbabwe, this is Simon Muchema.
13: Attention to our listeners.
3: From the 30th of October 2017, the first hour of Africa Digest will not be broadcast on Channel 802 on the DSTV audio bouquet. The 1700 hours show will only be found on shortwave and online on www.channelafrica.co.za. Please note that this only applies to the 1700 hours Central African Time show. The 1900-hour Central African Time program will be back on all the platforms. Channel Africa, giving you an African perspective.
1: Our economics update up next was Tabisolo Solohoku
4: Thanks, Lulu, and good morning. The African Development Bank has launched the Presidential Youth Advisory Group to provide insights and innovative solutions for job creation for Africa's youth, as outlined in the Bank's Jobs for Youth in Africa strategy. The Jobs for Youth in Africa initiative aims to create 25 million jobs and impact 50 million youth over the next 10 years by equipping them with the right skills to get decent and meaningful jobs. It's currently the largest effort going on for youth employment in Africa. South African President Jacob Zuma has arrived in Cordova for the fifth Africa EU summit, which starts in the country's commercial capital, Abidjan, later this morning. He's expected to seek more investment in South Africa in order to create jobs, as the country struggles with poor economic growth and ratings downgrades. South Africa's Representative for Global Governance and Continental Agenda, Nkoli Singkosi, says that the meeting is a good platform to turn the country's economic fortunes around.
12: We hope to use the platform provided by this forum to attract more investments into South Africa, particularly to help us to deal with the challenges of unemployment, the challenges of poverty and inequality in our country. And indeed, we hope to engage in meaningful trading relations with African and European countries. As you know, 30% of our total exports now are destined for the African market. So Africa is a very strategic market for South Africa.
4: The value of the virtual currency, Bitcoin, has created a 10,000 US dollar mark for the first time, created in 2009. Bitcoin has appreciated more than 900% so far this year, as the BBC's Dave Lee reports.
13: A year ago, one Bitcoin was worth around $750, a price many at the time said was a bubble set to burst at any moment. Twelve months on, and as the value of Bitcoin surpasses $10,000 for the first time ever, it's being seen as validation for its supporters, who think virtual currencies and the systems that allow them to operate securely are the future, not just for banking, but for any trustworthy exchange of information over the Internet.
4: South Africa's Finance Minister Malusi Kikaba says that the insurance bill is just one of the various pieces of proposed legislation to transform and regulate the financial sector. The bill was passed by the South African National Assembly and will now be sent to the National Council of Provinces for concurrence. Kikaba explains.
13: Several minor amendments were made to the bill so that it can be properly aligned with the Financial Sector Regulatory Act. The enhanced prudential framework for insurers forms part of phase two of Twin Peaks' reforms. Prudential supervision of insurers will be enforced in the new prudential authority under the South African Reserve Bank. Phase one was the passage of the Financial Sector Regulation Act. These reforms seek to significantly enhance South Africa's financial regulatory and supervisory framework by also enabling an intensive, intrusive and effective system of regulating the financial sector.
4: Turkish investors have pledged to work with the local businesses through joint venture partnerships to help promote trade between Rwanda and Turkey. Speaking during a business-to-business meeting in Rwanda's capital Kigali, the Turkish economy deputy minister Fatih Metin said Turkey was willing to sign a bilateral trade treaty that will help boost business between the two countries. The US dollar trades at 1371 in South Africa. It's at 1028 in Botswana and at 10.12 in Zambia. It's also trading at 75 pence to the British pound, 84 cents to the Euro. Gold on 295 dollars. Platinum 946 a dollars an ounce. The price of brand crude 63.22 a barrel. I'm Tabi Solohoko for Channel Africa.
1: A sports update up next with Tfigilelungwati.
3: First up in our sports update this hour we begin with rugby news. Says Springbok seven star, Kwaha Smith says he's still hungry for success in the shorter version of the game ahead of the season opening tournament in Dubai of the HSBC World 7 Series. At the same time, Smith revealed that he will be returning to the Lions for Super Rugby at the conclusion of the Sydney league of the series and focus on his ambition of becoming a Springbok.
9: Yeah, no, definitely the hunger will always be there to go for success and for me to do it for my brothers and even for the young guys coming in to give them the experience and to play with them and to meet them personally. Yes, definitely. I'm here with the Sevens now, so my focus will be on the first four tournament, And after that, I'll be focusing on becoming a Springbok in the Super Rugby season next year.
3: Smith says he has returned to the Sevens side to improve and grow himself as a player, but that it is also for the love of being part of the reigning world champions.
9: Yeah, no, definitely. It's great for me to be here and to get better as a player because Sevens definitely expose you as a player so this is a place where I can grow and become a better player and it's awesome for me to be with the Sevens family. I have a lot of love for them and that's why I play here.
3: Video assistant referee VAR will be used for the first time in a CAF competition at the Total African Nations Championship Chan Morocco 2018. The usage of the latest technology was approved by the CAF Referees Committee at its meeting in Cairo, Egypt yesterday. The experimentation of the VAR technology will commence from the quarter-final stage of next year's tournament scheduled for the 30th of January to the 4th of February in the Moroccan city of Casablanca, Marrakesh, Tangiers and Agadir. African referees shortlisted for FIFA World Cup Russia 2018 and with previous training in VAR will be called upon for the tournament designed exclusively for footballers playing in their domestic leagues. Nigeria's national football team Super Eagles coach Gennard Rowe has submitted his 2018 FIFA World Cup program to the Nigeria Football Federation, the NFF. Chairman of NFF Technical Committee, Alhaji Ahmed Yusuf Fresh, confirmed that the Franco-German coach submitted his program to the federation. Yusuf said the technical committee will consider in detail Roar's proposal and make recommendations to the NFF board for ratification. Nigeria Football Federation President Amu Jupinik explains. We are working really around the clock. We want to give the Super Eagles first-class games because we have first-class
6: players, so they must engage their contemporaries in other climes. And um, we've signed a couple of contracts with some A-listed countries just for us to ensure that they are not in our group. If they are in our group, unfortunately, we cannot play against them. But once they are not in our group,
3: it's a done deal. And these are countries, they are big, big countries. And World Football's governing body, FIFA, has sold more than 700,000 match tickets in the first round of sales for the World Cup before Friday's draw for the finals. The majority of ticket applications came from host nation Russia, with 47% from other countries. Prices range from $72 for a second-round group match to $1,000 for the final. Russian residents have a special category, with tickets starting at $145.00. A second phase of sales will run from the 5th of December until the 31st of of January in 2018. Fans from the United States, Brazil, Germany, China, Mexico, Israel, Argentina, Australia and England are in the top 10 teams for most applications. And finally, with Swimming News, each year Swimming World magazine selects the top male and female swimmers from the following regions, Africa, the Pacific Rim, Europe, the Americas and world. Swimming World well began announcing the top athletes in each region leading up to the announcement of the Male and Female World Swimmer of the Year on the 1st of December. The final announcement will coincide with the official release of the December Swimming World magazine. Chad Leclerc has been an Olympic gold medalist, one of the superstars of the sport. The latest is a long line of talented swimmers to come out of South Africa. He was first named African Male Swimmer of the Year in 2012 and has won the award every year since. That's your Sport News this hour.
0: Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorba. Africa, Amuka Na unai.
1: Recapping our top stories on Africa, rise and shine at the SAWA, UN discusses ways to tackle abuses against African migrants in Libya and Africa-EU summit gets underway in Abidjan. That wraps up Africa, Rise and Shine today. For myself, Lulu Gabu, producers Pumutu Ramagaza and Jane Rabutata, technical producer, Revelino Ibrahim and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us.